0: Welcome back to Russell Street Replay. This is another edition of our off-season podcast. This time we're doing a full free agency preview episode. With me, as always, is Ronald Tooth. Ron, how are you doing this fine morning?
1: Uh, I'm doing great, man. This is one of my favorite weeks of the year. You know, big names flying around everywhere, new contracts being announced. It's a lot of fun, and it's kind of like that first tentpole moment Back towards the season, you know what I mean? It's free agency, then it's the draft, then there's training camp and all that. So we're already moving along in the offseason, and it's good to see.
0: Yeah, for the Super Bowl, it's it's really dead for about a month. Then finally we get to the Combine and free agency and kind of back-to-back weeks, and it's really exciting. We'll be covering the Combine and doing some mock drafts. Uh, probably later this week as we're waiting for those first free agent decisions to roll in. But today, we're really just focusing on free agency. And while we're going to cover NFL free agency league-wide a little bit, we're really focused on the Ravens. So the big question this week is, Ron, what are we looking for from the Ravens in free agency?
1: I think the biggest thing we're all looking for is, and this might seem kind of generic, but to see them start filling some of those holes they need to fill. You know, they're not a team that's looking to go into a full rebuild or anything crazy like that. They're right at the top of the AFC. Uh, I mean, they were 8-3 and at one point last year, even with the insane amount of injuries that we don't even have to go through again. So, really, it's just about kind of doing what they've always done in free agency. You know, they're probably not going to make some big splash signing and give somebody $20 million a year. But kind of cherry-picking those guys here and there that can do a job for them. I mean, we already saw it earlier this morning. Sports Illustrated put up a story about how they were interested in bringing back Jensen. I know that you've been a massive proponent of that on this show in recent weeks. So just kind of guys like that, you know what I mean? Just guys who can really help them win a Super Bowl right now without totally breaking the bank.
0: Yeah. And I think one of the things that you're looking for, I think to me is pairing it with approach in the draft. The Bravens kind of have a little bit of a tendency, I feel like, to fill holes through free agency and try and build depth and for the future through the draft. And while that's not necessarily a bad strategy, I also do think they sometimes avoid some of the higher floor guys that you might want them to take in the draft. I think about guys like, you know, Kansas City had multiple rookies coming in and contributing on both sides of the ball right away in a way that I just didn't feel like our team did. There was there was Owe, there was Stevens. Bateman for about half the year. Other than that, the rookie class wasn't, I mean, Cleveland was in and out of the lineup and you need your rookies to contribute when you're trying to get to a championship team, because sometimes your other available money is going to have to go to much cheaper players. And so I think that's one thing I'm looking for is, is being, being okay filling needs through the draft and being confident in that instead of just saying, okay, we have to fill every need with an average player right now, but that doesn't really give us much flexibility if we don't hit in the draft.
1: Well, the good thing about that too, is the more holes that you plug in free agency, uh, the more of those kind of risks you can take on draft picks. You know, you don't need guys who have these, you know, sure floors, but you're not quite sure about what their ceiling is as opposed to a guy like OA who may take a couple years more, but, could end up being one of the best pass rushers in the league. So the more spots you fill in free agency, the more you can get a little creative and not have to rely so much on just, you know, being pigeonholed into that. We have to draft this position sort of thing.
0: Yeah. And for example, I think, I think being smart about filling those needs in free agency, like for example, and we're going to talk about what those needs are, but one example of that is this draft glass just doesn't look that great in terms of centers. Lunderbaum, it's been talked about to the Ravens, mocked to the Ravens a lot, but ultimately I just don't think he or the Ravens are best served by him there as center. He can't hit the all-pro potential he has in our scheme. Mm-hmm. And so it makes more sense to sign, either resigned Bozeman or sign a Jensen. We'll talk about some, some of the other guys in more detail later, to do that rather than targeting in the draft and say not signing an edge because this edge class is really deep. And so you're going to have to trust that you can sign and You can draft one or two edge rushers in this class that can contribute in their rookie years. I guess that's what I mean in terms of being selective about what needs you fill in pre-agency. Yeah. So moving straight into our NFL preview. And so quick disclaimer, we are recording this about five hours before the NFL's deadline on March 8th to franchise tag eligible for agents. So here's who's been tagged so far. The Bengals have tagged safety, Jesse Bates, the, The Browns tagged tight end David Njoku, which I thought was a little pricey for a tight end. I figured they would re-sign him for a couple million less. Mike Giusecki got tagged by the Dolphins. Expect there to be some discrepancy about whether he's a wide receiver or tight end. He's probably going to petition the league to be classified as a wide receiver. Orlando Brown got tagged by the Chiefs, but I think they're planning to put together an extension for him as well. And Dalton Schultz got tagged. A third tight end got tagged by the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, we're expecting tags from Mike Williams and Chris Godwin and potentially Devonte Adams, though. Those haven't been officially exercised yet. And the Ravens don't really have any candidates for the tag this year. They don't have any eligible free agents who are worth top five average money at their positions. Um, Bozeman is the only one that could get close. He wants that money. I just don't think the market is going to be there for him in the way he expects. Uh, although there are teams like the Bengals who have cap space and, Badly, badly need offensive line improvements. Who might be willing to break the bank for 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 a player who's a little bit younger, like Bozeman, versus O'Brien Jensen? Any any thoughts on the franchise tag, or do you just want to jump straight into our uh, free agent predictions?
1: Uh, well, like you, I was really shocked about Injoku, and I'm kind of shocked about Mike Williams too, to be honest with you. Uh, that's a lot of money to pay a guy, and Mike Williams is very talented. He's you know a really good field stretcher. Don't get me wrong, but. When you're paying him franchise tag money, you you know, that's that's kind of what you'd expect for, you know, like a Chris Godwin, who's also about to get it. A guy who's a perennial thousand plus kind of 90 plus catch kind of guy. So that's kind of surprising. But I mean, a guy like Herbert can never have too many weapons. So why not keep him around for one more year and see if, you know, maybe this is the year that he becomes that. But I guess we'll see. Yeah, so Williams actually didn't really surprise me because of how much cap base the Chargers have.
0: Mm. Uh, the way I see it, if you can lock him down for sure for one more season at eighteen million, he might get. He'll probably he could get maybe like five years for eighty on the open market, a little bit less per year, but um, you know, longer, a bit more guarantees. I would say, okay, well, before I have to work out an extension for Herbert, I might as well keep Williams around as long as I can. I'll tag him this year and then let him walk. Uh, so I, I would imagine that's the thought there because they have they have a lot of cap space and you know there's only so much that they'll actually be able to get be able to use and, and target guys with. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that affects the wide receiver market, though. So now moving on to our agent predictions, we're going to see where each of these guys in the carousel lands this year. Uh, I'll give you our full list, and then we can just kind of go back and forth saying who's going to land where. We got J.C. Jackson, Vaughn Miller, Chandler Jones. Tyron Matthew, Marcus Williams, Alan Robinson, Stefan Gilmore, Terran Armstead, Jadavian Clowney, and Brandon
1: Scherf. So let's start with JC Jackson. Where do you think he's going to end up? So uh, I have Jackson pegged for Cincinnati, and I know a lot of people might not like to hear that. Um, I think Cincinnati could also, I mean, obviously they should be in play for some offensive linemen as well. Maybe Bozeman, like you mentioned, but they've got a lot of cap space and it was pretty apparent that on defense, the the secondary kind of needed some help. Uh, especially, you know, when you look at the Super Bowl and, and every single meme that came out in in its wake about Eli Apple, uh, and all of the times that you know leading up to that. Uh, so they definitely need some help in the secondary Jackson. He's gonna command a lot of money, but they've got the money to pay him. And uh for a team that already obviously is in Super Bowl contention, uh, you know, he's potentially the type of player who can help. Get them over that hump on the defensive side of the ball. I have
0: Jackson going to the to the Chargers. We see we've heard that the Chargers are looking for cornerbacks. I've heard heard them looking at Gilmore and JC Jackson, uh, but I I think Jackson goes to the Chargers because the Chargers want a little bit younger of an option, a guy they can think about as like a long term number one starting cornerback to have on that to have on the defensive side of the ball in a Super Bowl window. And so I think that that's a smart move for them. And I think Gilmore ends up going to the Cardinals. I think that the Cardinals really badly need a cornerback, but I'm not sure they're going to be able to pony up the long-term money for someone like JC Jackson. So, especially with whatever's going on with Murray, you know, suppose they're starting to worry about Murray sticking around in in Arizona for too long, they might want to go for someone who's going to come in and a bit short short short-term of a contract, so that way you're not screwing up your future cap space depending on what you got to do there. Who else did? where, Where did you have Stephon Gilmore going?
1: Yeah, so as you just mentioned, uh, I had Stefan Gilmore going to the Chargers actually, but really, to be honest with you, I none of if any of these were swapped between it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever, you know, if it was Gilmore to the Bengals and um uh Jackson to the to the Chargers, you know what I mean? Both of them are have a lot of money, they are either in Super Bowl contention or potentially on the verge of it, you know, the pieces are in place in terms of having an elite young quarterback, stuff like that, and bringing in that surefire number one lockdown corner is – it's almost an essential piece of a Super Bowl team when you kind of go back and look. So, um, yeah, none of that would surprise me, but I got Gilmore to the Chargers personally.
0: Yeah, and so I actually have the Bengals looking at the the, the bigger needs on the other side of the ball and going after Teron Armstead, and that's certainly something that we wouldn't love to hear as Ravens fans picking up an all-pro left tackle in in Cincy – but to me, offensive line is just just the bigger bigger need in, in, in Cincy, and they just don't have anyone that you can project as a future perennial starter at their position. Jonah Williams is a fine left tackle. I just think he's better suited at right tackle with someone who is a top-level talent like Teron Armstead on the left side. Uh, And they need to build up their interior as well. But I think for where they're positioned in this draft, I think they'll have an easier time building up the interior of their line than they will building up the tackles just for where their picks are. They'll have to do a lot of moving and shaking to get starting caliber tackles that can help them in a Super Bowl window, which is what they're looking at now, like you said. Uh, Where did you have Armstead ending up?
1: Uh, Yeah, well, just to kind of touch on what you just said in this year's draft class when it's so kind of well documented that you know it's very top heavy in terms of tackles with the top you know four four or so guys depending on what your own personal rankings are and then the the massive drop off after that so if you're if you're looking to to really make sure Burrow is protected that would be a great signing for them um i had armstead signing with the jaguars though and i know that might be kind of like huh but th- they have got you know they've got their own young up and coming quarterback down there in Trevor Lawrence, and they they've got to make sure that keeping him upright is priority number one because they've got a lot of work to do in these coming years in terms of rebuilding that roster, and you don't want you don't want Lawrence just getting smacked around every single year, you know, until they finally reach the point in you know whether it's year four or even year three if they're a year ahead, who knows. Where they are into contention. And meanwhile, this guy's just got four years behind him of just getting pummeled. So I think the offensive line is going to be a big focus for them. I think they'd be willing to give a guy like Armstead, you know, a, a record breaking sort of contract. So that's kind of what I see going on for him.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a good fit also because they do have a bigger need at tackle than they do interior of the offensive line. While the Bengals do have, I would say a need across the entire line. I don't think there's a single offensive line position that I wouldn't place. Like I think Jackson Carmen is a future starter for them, but I think he can slot in probably at a couple positions. So they could, they could really acquire anyone. And I think another option for them is Brandon Scherf, right guard, I think he ultimately ends up signing with the Dolphins. I think they also need offensive line talent. And I think they they want to see what Eichenberg can do. And so I don't think they're going to be in play for one of the one of the top left tackles, but I think they will we'll be looking for a top talent on the interior of their line. And Scherf is probably one of the best if not the best guard on the market this off season. So I think, I think he could end up with the dolphins because in, in that scheme with, with, with Mike McDaniels in, in Miami, I think Scherf is a really good fit for that scheme as well. And I think having just someone that experience in front of Tua Tagovailoa that he hasn't had in his career before, even if it's not a center still having someone with that kind of experience in front of him is going to be really helpful for his development.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I don't mean to kind of cut in on us here, but we just got some breaking news from uh, Ian Rappaport that the Packers have signed Aaron Rodgers to a four year, $200 million deal that makes him the highest paid player in NFL history. So I guess that's, uh, that's something we won't have to worry about going forward. That is wow. That's a lot of money, but um, anyway, yeah. Who were we discussing? My apologies. Sorry. That just came to my phone and I kind of went, Blech for a second.
0: Wow. No, I think that's, that's worth taking a second to talk about uh, just because that keeps him out of the AFC, something that we were kind of worried. We've been worried about more, more elite quarterbacks coming to the AFC. Uh, Rodgers coming to the Broncos would make them an instant contender and make it even harder to get to the playoffs because that means in, in two division, there's at least two teams that really will qualify for the playoffs. And in the AFC West, there's three or potentially four. So that's uh, that's good. I'm going to I'm very curious now to see if they tag Adams or how if how they keep him, because I don't think Adams has any desire to play without Rodgers and probably vice versa, uh, which likely means that Zadarius Smith is going to hit the market, which is going to put a lot of Ravens fans on alert. But we're going to have to throw some water on that because he is just way too far out of our price range for where our cap space is right now. So yeah, thank you yeah, for, it,
1: it would, it would take a heck of a hometown discount. Although he did post a picture from Jimmy seafood the other day. So just to kind of tease people a little bit, I'll still leave that out there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that would definitely be an interesting signing, but um, you know, back to, back to our free agents, I think we were talking about Brandon Scherf from where he might end up.
1: Oh, Brandon Scherf. Okay. So um, you said Cincinnati, or sorry, you said Miami. Uh So people might not like to hear this one too much, but I actually have the Steelers for uh, Brandon Scherf. It's well-documented their offensive line struggles over the last few years. They've been pretty consistently, at least over the last two uh, among the bottom five offensive lines in football. You know, they've got some younger guys out there, but it's very much been a changing of the guard when, you know, Villanueva leaves and Pouncey leaves and all these guys go. So, bringing in a guy like Scherf to kind of be that uh, sort of cornerstone of the line you want to build going forward, I think would be a, a really good move for them. And they may, they still have some questions about who's going to be their quarterback, but uh, whoever it is, they're going to have to protect him because if it's another year of, you know, looking at the hits that Ben took, even though we can admit that Ben wasn't really the most agile, but he took way too many hits over the last few years. And if whoever's coming in a quarterback has to deal with that. They're automatically going to be behind the eight ball to start.
0: Yeah. And I think the other thing is that I don't think Pittsburgh is going to be in the market for many of the other top three agents, because I think, they just need to figure out their quarterback situation first. And I think that that's tough to, it's tough to commit long-term money to, to certain players when you don't really know what your quarterback situation is going to be in the future. And if you don't want to say, okay, well, maybe I don't want to, you know, 20, 25th draft pick this year. I need something. I need something sooner. I and mean, we have a earlier draft pick than the Steelers do this year. And, you know, I, I think the talent disparity in terms of our team, it's not crazy, but in terms of success, in terms of the relation to success level, the quarterback difference is just huge. And so it's, they might have to trade up this year to find the quarterback they need. And in that case, that way I think Sheriff would even be an even better signing. Uh, going just back to the list here. I have Von Miller returning to Denver with the Broncos. I don't think that is something that's super shocking. It's something that there've been a lot of rumors about in the last few days, a lot of his social media postings and the Rams replace him with Chandler Jones. I think uh, the Rams go with another, you know, really all pro caliber pass rusher. They they continue this strategy of going after their starts, going after players who are the best at their positions to fill their needs. And with Miller leaving, edge rusher will become a need for, for the Rams very quickly. Uh, who, where'd you have those two players landing?
1: Yeah, I, uh, I like that. You know, the Rams, they have clearly shown that they're not afraid to spend money in do so in kind of a win now kind of way. So if Von Miller does walk, I mean, you instantly plug him with Chandler Jones and there's not much, if any at all, in terms of dropout drop off. Um, You know, originally I had Von Miller going back to the Rams, but after seeing his tweet yesterday about, you know, how wanting to go back or I forget exactly what the wording was, but I think I'm leaning kind of more towards Denver at this point too. I mean, he's already got his second ring. Uh, what more could you really ask for he gets to go back to the place that he became the the legend that he is today you know he'll retire in a few years they'll hang his jersey in the Raptors all that good stuff so why not as a nice little happy ending for Von Miller going back to Denver uh for Chandler Jones I actually had Indianapolis uh I think that they're another team that's shown that they're not really opposed to bringing in some veterans on the defensive side of the ball. You know, they had Houston. Uh, they they traded for DeForest Bruckner. They they kind of seem like a team that, that that likes sure things on the defensive side of the ball. You know what I mean? And uh, Chandler Jones would give them a lot of help in the pass rush department, which is something they're severely lacking at right now. You know, they drafted Quiddy Pay last year. He was okay in his rookie year, but didn't really do anything in terms of setting the league on fire. So. They're another team that's also looking for a quarterback, but um, they're also potentially a quarterback away from being amongst those elite teams in the AFC. So why not bring in one of the best pass rushers in the league to kind of supplement that? Yeah,
0: I think that's a good way of looking at it. the The remaining few guys we have on our list. Let's look at the last edge rusher we have on our list here, Jadavian Clowney. I have him staying with the Browns as well. I just think that that was a kind of fruitful reset for Clowney. He needed he needed the change of scenery from from the Texans and did just so much better in Cleveland. And he seemed to really just have a good. It's a good double threat with him and Miles Garrett coming off the edge. That I think. I think Cleveland values for where they are right now. I'm just not sure how much money he's going to demand. That's the biggest question I have is how much money he's going to ask for if they can afford that. But I think they do have a, they do have a decent amount of cap space. It's not crazy, but it's enough to afford him.
1: Yeah, it's definitely enough to afford him. It wouldn't shock me one bit. It also kind of, if he stays there, it kind of allows him to not have to be the focus, you know what I mean? Uh, Miles Garrett is clearly the 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 engine running that car on the defensive side of the ball. So allowing Clowney to kind of not be the one always getting all the attention and frees him up to kind of do his own thing. So it wouldn't surprise me one bit. And that would probably be my my second choice, I'd say. But I actually had Clowney going to Miami. Um it, Miami has a ton of cap space. That's well documented, but I also don't think they're quite so sure about Tua tonga Bailoa yet. So I don't know if they're going to be looking to spend like drunken sailors this free agency period when they're not really sure if this is going to be the, the quarterback to lead them. So I see them being a little more calculated with their signings, trying to bring in guys that aren't going to command super top dollar, but that can help them, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So – Maybe they offer maybe they offer him, you know, two or three more million than Cleveland would. And I think that could probably be enough for Clowney. Maybe his confidence, you know, post Houston in, in the whole Seattle era, maybe it's back. Maybe he thinks he can be that true number one pass rusher on a team again. And going to Miami would definitely give him that opportunity and probably for a little more money as well.
0: Let me throw out another potential Browns target for you then. What about Allen Robinson to the Browns? They're clearly, you know, things with Jarvis, obviously Odell didn't work out there. Things with Jarvis Landry didn't work out there. Uh, but I think it's also clear that Allen Robinson could benefit from a change of scenery from Chicago. What about him ending up in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield?
1: Uh, yeah, I wouldn't hate it. Um, for them, you you know, it would be a good move. I doubt he's going to command a bunch of money coming off a season where he was kind of injured. And even when he played, wasn't really heavily targeted. It was very much the Darnell Mooney show there in Chicago, especially over the second half of the year. So it, it wouldn't surprise me. I think Cleveland in terms of a receiver is probably looking for more of a guy who can really get vertical and stretch the field you know Landry did a lot of that kind of you know the the tough catch sort of stuff for them last year I I think they they need a guy that Baker can really really air it out to though so I I don't know if Robinson would be the kind of receiver they would target I I think it, it would it could definitely be a situation where it's just like oh he's the best one out there so let's go try to get him but uh I have, uh, I have him personally, Robinson going to the Eagles. Uh, I think that they're another team that's really in need of a wide receiver. They've kind of got that guy in Devontae Smith who can, can really, you know, get vertical. And obviously the Jalen Rieger, uh experiment didn't work out too well for them. So they, they've got a lot of holes in that position group and they've got a little bit of money to spend, you know, they're not flush with, with cash, but, when this is probably going to be the make or break year for Jalen Hurts. So why not give him the best opportunity and surround him with the best weapons that you can and bring in a sure catch kind of guy like Allen Robinson? Yeah, I like that too. I think there are a good amount of wide receiver needy teams. So I think Robinson could
0: actually have a decent market for the kind of receiver that he is. I think Philly and I also think Atlanta now with this Calvin Ridley news, is also going to be in need of a wide receiver and they'll have some money to spend. And so uh, they could look to, to sign someone to put with, it's both Matt Ryan and Pitts, but I also think that's a question of how they see their team in terms of championship contender. Could they make the playoffs in a weak division, that kind of thing. Um, so I think our, our last two guys here, speaking of, of the AFC, of the NFC South, we've got Marcus Williams, who's set to leave the Saints this offseason, and Tyron Matthew, who's looks like he's going to leave the Chiefs. Marcus Williams, I have him potentially going to the Eagles. I just think the they need a safety, and while I know they're they're rumored to also be interested in cornerbacks. I also think they'll I think they'll be looking to draft cornerbacks uh in this draft instead of necessarily only pursuing them in free agency. So I think Marcus Williams as a as a free safety on the back end would be a good fit there. And of course, Tyron Matthew, I, I just feel like he's gonna end up in Baltimore. Just it's been rumored a lot, it just feels like a Ravens signing. The the biggest sticking point, always the biggest sticking point, is Money. How much money does he want? How much money can he, can we offer him? Can we get that deal done? I, I think there's a chance we could make it work with the right with the right moves um, and the right restructures. I know uh, you know Tony and, and Dev and they did a, a salary cap a full kind of salary cap free agency preview for Rust Root Report last week, and so they do a really good job talking about all the different ways we can open up space, and so we would definitely need to do that in order to sign a guy like Matthew.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, and we'll see that kind of throughout the course of this week in terms of some contracts being restructured. Yeah, I think the Ravens will definitely free up a lot of space this week, or not a lot of space, a lot of space relative to what they have now, we'll say. Uh, yeah, I, ha- I have Tyron Matthew coming here too. At this point in my mind, it almost feels like he's already a Raven, and I know a lot of that is just because of all the scuttlebutt on social media and stuff like that, and inevitably there's probably a good chance we're all going to be let down uh, come next Monday when he's wearing a different Jersey. But as of right now, it just, it feels like a perfect fit. And Matthew feels like the type of guy where, I mean, of course he's going to want his money, but I feel like winning and being on a championship sort of team is more important to him and being more importantly, being in a, a system that really fits what he does well. And I can't think of too many better fits for him in football right now than the Ravens to the point where if it came down to an extra million or two to go sign with, you know, uh, just throwing a completely random name out there, like Seattle or something like that. You know what I mean? I think he would probably choose to come here. So uh, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed on that one along with the rest of the Ravens flock out there. We'll see. Uh, Marcus Williams, I actually had going to the Browns. Uh, It's a position safety that, they've really tried to correct a lot over the last few years. You know, they brought in John Johnson, uh, Ronnie Harrison, these guys, but it's still been a position that's kind of been a weakness for them. Um, and a lot of that, I'm sure you could also attribute to their need of a, uh, solid number two corner, but nonetheless, uh, Williams just feels like the kind of guy that would fit very well. Just kind of like Matthew Wooden, Baltimore Williams feels like he'd be a good fit for their defense. He'd, uh, Give them a really a really solid piece on the back end there to kind of help sure things up and give more time for uh Miles Garrett and potentially Clowney to get home to the quarterback.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that's another potential fit. I'm, I'm very curious to see where these, these these are the star players. These are to me the some of the bigger dominoes to fall in free agency. The ones that will fall earlier, and we'll see. How they set the market, uh, you know. I think one one thing that's really important for the Ravens is going to be the market at different positions because of their limited flexibility with the salary cap. And and moving on to that, moving on to kind of our Ravens focus free agent preview. Uh, let's let's just kind of get through some of our cut candidates and some of our restricted and exclusive rights free agents really quick here. So cut candidates: I, I have Sam Cook, Miles Boykin, Ben Powers, Josh Oliver, Alejandro Villanueva, and Tavon Young. So for me, that's, I, I'm going to keep Cook. Uh, he's not that expensive relative to other punters, and I don't want to mess up the Wolf Pack. You know, you're not going to hit a 66-yard field goal, field goal when, when you disrupt that unit. I'm also going to keep Ben Powers and Josh Oliver. Uh, potentially, Ben Powers could be a trade trip later in the preseason, depending on what we do in the draft and how our interior line is looking, <laughs> like we did with Ben Bredesen in the beginning of uh, last season, or I guess at the end of the preseason. And Josh Oliver is a guy who should keep, and he can compete for the third tight end spot, depending on what we do in the draft, but we can potentially cut him later after the draft uh, as a post-June 1st cut if we do see someone else on the market we need the extra money for. Which guys of that list do you want to keep?
1: Yeah, I'd like to keep Cook. It really, I doubt he's going to have a massive market out there, but I mean, hey... uh, (laughs) depending on what the draft looks like, who knows, maybe there's a guy that they love out of uncle Lou tech somewhere. That's (laughs) putting 70 yard bombs. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, I guess as of now, I would like to keep cook Uh, miles Boykin. See you later. Sorry. I hope he has a great career somewhere else. You know, maybe he can fulfill that potential, but at this point, it's not going to be in Baltimore. Uh, Ben powers. Yeah. I would probably hold on to him if for nothing else, like you said, maybe a trade piece or just worst case scenario, just a rotational guy who knows the system. If some, if, you know, there's this massive season of injuries again.
0: Yeah. I mean, he started 19 games of the past two seasons. That's in, in this system. It's not with another team. It's in this gap heavy in this read option, heavy system that, and not that he was great. It's definitely a guy you want to be replacing something that James Ogden talked about in our, in our last podcast, this one of the guys that you always kind of want to be, re, want to be looking for a replacement for, but someone that you definitely don't mind having as a backup on your team.
1: Yeah. And even uh, the end of 2020, when they were really kind of patching things together and McCarry was playing center and all this stuff, he did a pretty solid job. So yeah, I'd like to see him stay around Oliver. Uh, I guess I'm kind of indifferent, you know, it's cool. If he comes back, it, we could use another blocking tight end, another camp body or whatever, but He's not somebody that I'm going to be, you know, freaking out if they cut him sort of thing. So I guess it's just kind of whatever with him. Uh, Villanueva, yeah, sorry. You know, I respect what he's done. I respect the fact that he's, you know, done a lot for our country and all that stuff. But it, it was a one-year experiment that didn't work out very well. And they can save, what, close to $6 million by cutting him? I mean, it's pretty much a no-brainer. Yeah, I was just
0: going to say I forgot to mention the different cap numbers, so I'll just I'll just run through them really quickly. I think Cook, we'll uh, boy, can we save about two and a half million if we cut him? To me, that's a no-brainer to yep. cut him, and there isn't much of a penalty uh, to cut him as well. Josh Oliver, we would save about a million, have no penalty if we cut him. Ben Powers, we would save about two and a half million, very low cap penalty, about two hundred k. Sam Cook would incur a million dollar penalty, and we'd only save two million overall if we cut him, which is part of the reason why it just doesn't make that much sense. Villanueva saves six million overall, even though there is a three million penalty. And the last one I mentioned, Tavon Young, we'd save about six billion, but there is about a three million dollar penalty. So, yeah, for that penalty, it just makes sense to cut Villanueva, potentially re sign him for cheaper, but it's clear he's not worth nine million dollars a year, and he's not even worth six. And so, it's worth cutting him to save that six. Um, and Tavon Young was the last one I mentioned. I actually think he's an extension candidate, potentially along with Marcus Peters. I know it's, you know, you don't necessarily want to lock yourself into having these guys for too long, uh, but I think Young was really solid this year. I felt like just if he takes a pay cut on the extension, and probably the same thing with Peters, I'm not sure I could pay Peters $15 million a year until he's 34, but if they're both willing to, take some kind of a pay cut on extension or work something out. I'd like to keep them both. But if, if young and Peters both aren't willing to extend, I will say that we do have to let go of young. We we do need to find a way to get that off our books and get a little bit more space to play with.
1: Yeah, I agree. And especially if Tavon young was being very unbudging in that sort of way after the Ravens have kind of stuck by him through so many injury seasons and kept bringing him back and kept taking those chances on him it would be very surprising to see him be sort of stiff in that department and say no I'm not taking less money but if that were the case yeah you know I wouldn't blame him once that one second for uh letting him go but I'd like to see him extended like you mentioned he had a really good season this year maybe the the injury kind of plague is behind him maybe he can string together a nice little second act of his career here so if we can get them on the cheap, yeah, I would love to have them back, especially knowing that they're probably not going to be spending, I mean, any money in free agency in the secondary. I mean, I mean, not in the secondary, on corners specifically. Um, so, yeah, why not bring them back?
0: Yeah, and I think the, the other thing with that is, the Ravens sticking by him. There seems to be a good relationship there. And he played three injuries this year. He played well. He had knocks, but he played. And so I think he's, got, he's a guy I want to keep around, rooting for him. I've always been rooting for him, rooting for him a lot. Uh, moving on to the restricted free, agency, free agents. These are the ones that the Ravens can place a, a tender on them. And then they are, you know, they can go out and get offers from other teams. But the Ravens have the right to match the offer. And then if they don't want to match the offer, they get whatever, tender that they placed on him so so the two restricted free agents the ravens this year are cornerback chris westry and linebacker and special teams player tara alaka alaka was injured last year and so to me i just don't think he's worth the tender he's not worth even the lowest one the right of first refusal that's 2.4 million dollars no way not going to happen chris westry is a bit of a tougher one because i I think he has the potential to be a starting caliber cornerback in this league but Does he have that potential on the Ravens behind Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, potentially Ta'Von Young? And it seems pretty popular that they're going to draft at least one cornerback in this draft. They might even be interested in one in free agency. There's Brandon Stevens. So I'm just not sure if it's the best place for him to really develop but on the other hand, I really like him as a potential Jimmy Smith successor as that physical matchup cornerback, potentially a guy who, if we trained him up right, could even play against tight ends because he's just got the size and the, the speed and the size to do that. I think I would put a right of first refusal tender on him for 2.4 million. The first round tender is 5.5, and the second round is 3.9. I'm not sure any team is gonna, I don't think any team is gonna sacrifice this first or second rounder for Chris Westry. And so I think at least guaranteeing a $2.4 million for him next year is something I'm fine with. And if other teams go a little bit higher, three and a half, four, depending on exactly what the deal looks like, I might be able to work with it and sign him. Or I might be able, or I might be willing to let him go if we're actually going after one of these names like Tyron Matthew.
1: Yeah, uh, if, if it took allowing a Westry to walk in order to bring in a Matthew, I mean, that one's a no-brainer to me but I'd love to have him back too. Uh 2.4 million. Sounds like a good number. Hell, he probably just deserves that with all they put on his plate last year in terms of injuries and all that. Uh, as you mentioned, he's a big guy. He's a matchup nightmare for certain situations and he's young. So who knows what Marcus Peters is going to be coming off this injury. He may be relied on even more this season. So at the very least the right of first refusal, I, I would throw that in on him, but, Yeah, I'm not – I would probably wouldn't go any further than that.
0: Yeah, especially in terms of thinking him versus Tavon Young, it just – I think it ultimately makes more sense to keep Westry. He's younger. I think he's got a higher ceiling in his career than than Tavon Young does – and Marlon Humphrey is arguably an All-Pro slot corner as well. If we need to move him into that role uh, to, to and have Wester on the outside, it's something that is is workable. Especially since so many good receivers line up in the slot these days, it's not like we're taking Marlon away from a good receiver to cover. Moving on to the exclusive rights free agents, I don't know exactly what the numbers would be on all these deals, but I believe all of these players. Uh, we have the Ravens have the option to just sign these players to deals, I think between $700,000 and $900,000, one year deals. Uh, Christian Welch, linebacker, Ty- Tyler Huntley, obviously quarterback, Gino Stone, safety, Tristan kalunka Castillo, the backup center, Tyson Williams, running back, Aaron Crawford, interior defensive line, and Nick Moore, the long snapper. To me, all of those are re signed. Welch is depth at linebacker and key on special teams. Huntley is obviously the backup quarterback that even has some trade value. Gino Stone is was actually quite good when he was forced to play a lot of snaps last year. Tristan colon Castillo is we have to resign him because we got to have a center on the roster. Tyson Williams is not going to be on this team next year. It's just clear. Aaron Crawford, I'm fine with holding off. He seems like a fine player, but I'm just not necessarily that high on him anyway. And Nick Moore, obviously the long snapper, you want to resign. Any any
1: disagreements there? Uh, No, not at all. Actually, I would have, I would have pegged it the exact same way, Uh, especially, you know, Christian Welch. He's mostly a special teams guy. But when you when you look at that hole in terms of a, a number two middle linebacker behind Patrick Queen, it's it's a little it's a little questionable right now. So having Welch around for at least that depth, along with whether it's Bynes or Fort or, you know, if they draft somebody who knows, but that's the kind of position where I don't mind them having as many bodies as possible Uh, in terms of, you know, the Huntley stone uh, TCC, all those guys, they did, they took some really positive steps forward this year in their own certain ways at times. So I'd love to have all them guys back and see if they can continue to build on that Uh, Tyson Williams. That that'll always be such an interesting thing. And I'm wondering if we'll hear more about it once he's not on the team anymore in terms of why he you know didn't get the opportunities and or despite the fact that he looked pretty good when he did have the ball in his hands at least in the beginning of the season so it's such an interesting case but yeah I don't see him being back um and Aaron Crawford yeah take it or leave it you know it's 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 whatever so finally, moving on to the to the
0: Ravens' free agency targets here. I'm just going to go through what I have is their is their needs, and this isn't really in a particular order. Uh, center, offensive tackle, interior defensive line, and edge on the defensive line, cornerbacks, uh, safety. The, those are the those are what's kind of understood to me as their needs, specifically in free agency as well. I totally think that they could draft another offensive guard just to have as another camp body, another if they see a guy they really like an offensive guard, they could draft him. But I don't see them spending any money on that in free agency. So starting, I guess, with center, the, one of the probably the big spot where we just don't have a starter right now. What do, what do you think we're looking at in centers in terms of free agency?
1: Well, I think right now it appears as if option number one would be Ryan Jensen. He's obviously going to be a little cheaper than Bozeman, even if even if they command similar in terms of the, the year-by-year value. With Jensen, you're probably going to sign him to, what, a one-year or two-year deal or something like that. Bozeman's looking to secure his long-term future with a team, you know, maybe he goes to Detroit and signs a record breaking center contract or something like that. You know what I mean? I'm just throwing a random name out there. Um, so yeah, Jensen really feels like the one for me. Um, and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens if they don't get him, because it's going to be quite an interesting scenario. Cause you're either going to be, Riding into the season with either TCC or a guy that we haven't even thought of yet, or you're going to be spending an early pick on Tyler Linderbaum, and that's going to be a pick that's not really going to be, you know, it's not going to be uh, moving any needles when you're just sort of filling a hole that you already had filled last season with so many other holes.
0: Yeah, to me, the Ravens only have room for one premium free agency signing. And I think that Mm -hmm. should be Jensen. I just don't think there's any question about a guy who can maul in our scheme, who has a physical presence on the line, who is just an exceptionally good, just a good guy to have in the locker room and on the team. And so that's, that's priority number one. If Bozeman's market isn't there and he's willing to come back on a deal that's a little bit more affordable, I'm fine with signing him, especially to a longer term deal. Uh, Otherwise, I think you have to look at like a Matt Paradis, Ben Jones, guys who are veterans. You're going to sign to a one or two year deal for as cheap as you can and and hope that hope that they could do well enough to not be a huge liability. But you're going to be looking to upgrade almost immediately.
1: Yeah, like a stopgap kind of guy. Mm hmm.
0: Uh, the other spot in the offensive line is tackle, but I think the only realistic target here is Trent Brown. I think everyone else is too expensive or not good enough. I think if we're signing an offensive tackle for based on what we have right now, we have Patrick McCard who might have to start at center, could probably start at either left guard or right guard if we needed, but most likely is looking at starting at either center or right tackle or just being a depth guy. And so I think with, Jawan James and Ronnie Stanley both coming off injuries, but there's no reason to suspect that they straight up cannot play. Stanley might not be the same caliber, but I think he'll be able to actually at least play left tackle and so the only realistic thing for me would be to sign Trent Brown, because if we're cutting Villanueva and taking a $3 million cap penalty, clearing up $6 million of room to just sign Riley Reef or something, something is very wrong like that's just not good business.
1: Yeah, no, no, I agree. Any of those kind of middle to lower of the pack free agency tackle names, they don't do it for me. I would just as soon see Makari play at right tackle and, you know, the, the Ronnie slash Juwan James slash whoever they draft, because I'm sure that tackle is also going to be an important spot for them in the draft. So yeah, I, I would be pretty upset if they spent any of the little amount of money that they're going to have on one of these kind of, Blah, sort of guys. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. Uh, moving on.
0: Those are the only two two offensive positions I had as targets and free agent. I don't think it makes sense to spend money in on a wide receiver right now. We've talked about resigning bunch Devonta Freeman, but only something, only an addition like that would make sense in free agency to me. Otherwise, I'd want to get some someone a pass catching back through the draft. And this tight end market, after these, fr- especially after these franchise tags, this tight end market is just going to be crazy. I just don't think that we're going to be willing to pony up $6 million a year for a third tight end. Not going to happen. And if that's the market, we're better off sticking with Josh Oliver or drafting someone. And there are, there are plenty of good day two and three tight end draft prospects that I think could fit in the Ravens system in terms of pass catching and run blocking. So
1: I think it's Luke. very likely that they draft a tight end yeah get it get it yeah very likely that's that's a good one i see uh what you did there <laughs> i'm I'm not getting off this train man i love them i hope they take them in like the third or the fourth round but whatever we'll move on uh yeah that we'll
0: save that for a draft episode because I, I have a lot of thoughts but the moving on to the defensive side of the ball I'm curious to see what they do along the defensive line. I think the most likely option is just bringing back Calais Campbell. There are some interesting options like and Sue, Akeem Hicks out there, other veterans who can line up on the outside as defensive ends in the 3-4, but be on the interior in the pass rush. Um, And there are a couple guys who are just like more straight up defensive tackles. you got a Larry Joby, Malik Collins. They're a little bit younger, but I, I just don't think the Ravens are going to pony up the money again to sign uh, a guy like Ogunjobi to a long-term contract for the money he can probably command. I think, I think getting a deal done with Campbell is probably the most likely answer here. Something, yeah. something, something, you know, probably not eight to 10, but maybe four to six, five to seven, not, not as many snaps like you talked about.
1: Yeah. So it's funny. Cause when you look at this list of guys, they're all, like what you would consider to be like classic Raven signings, not not Ogunjobi, he's going to get a lot of money, but like, you know, Sue's probably going to, he's going to get like a one year kind of veteran sort of thing. I'd imagine you Hicks will kind of be the same situation. Like all these guys are just like what I would view as like a classic Raven signing, but ultimately Campbell's probably the one, because I'd imagine he'd take a little less money to not have to uproot his career again at this point in his life. Um, he already knows the system. He's not going to have to spend the whole off season getting to know that on top of all these new people and this new place and all that. So when you look at that list of like the Sue Campbell, Akeem Hicks, that kind of veteran sort of group, it, it would make the most sense to bring in Campbell. Now, with that being said, I, my personal preference would be, you know, if it's, if we if we're getting Campbell for, 7 million or we'll say Campbell for 6 million or we can get Sue for eight. I mean, like I would much rather have Sue than Campbell just because I think he's got a little a, a mentionable amount more left in the tank than Campbell. So my personal preference would be Sue. But in terms of ease and if you're just looking to save the most amount of money, to spend elsewhere on, on a little bit of a splash year signing, then uh, yeah. Yeah. Campbell's probably the move.
0: Yeah. And I think, again, this is where it intersects with the draft strategy. I think if you aren't planning to take uh, a interior defensive lineman in the first two days of the draft, you have to commit to signing someone who is at least Calais Campbell level, if not better, maybe a little bit younger. Jaron Reed is 29. He's kind of in the middle of this range two three year deal, maybe, but if you are planning to take someone earlier on day one, then you think, or day one or two, then you think, okay, Clace Campbell, Justin Matibuque, and throw in Travis Jones as a rotation, as the interior pass rush. And, you know, there's also Derek Wolf to think about Roderick Washington on earlier downs. You can make that work. So it, it, this, is, this is what I'm talking about when I'm saying it has to intersect with the draft strategy. Another, another position in terms of draft strategy, edge, because Chandler Jones or Von Miller would be really nice like classic Raven signings, again, veteran edge rushers, twilight of their careers, maybe looking for another ring, classic positive edge rusher environment for veterans in Baltimore. It feels like Hassan Reddick is another one, but they're just going to be way too expensive. And so really you're more looking at Justin Houston to me is the most likely again, another reunion, similar deal. And Kyle Van Noy after getting released by the Patriots, I think he could command a little bit more money, but he also didn't have as productive of a season last year after getting a decent contract from them. So he might be available for a similar amount of money as Houston.
1: Yeah. uh, The, the Van Noy being released thing definitely caught my eye. Um, I don't think he's really going to command that much money at all. You know, his last couple seasons, you know, bouncing around from new England to Miami back to new England it seems like nobody wants the guy. And I don't mean that literally, but it just, I don't know. I don't know if anyone's going to be going out of their way to pony up massive money for Kyle Van Noy. So if you can get him for, you know, 1 million more than you would have paid Houston and you're getting a younger guy who's got a much higher motor at this point in his career and that you could probably get more snaps out of, that would be really interesting to me to bring in Van Noy, but just, When you look at this draft class, especially, and it's so deep with pass rushers, like one of the deepest in a long time in that regard. So to to even consider dropping a good amount of money on somebody like uh, Avon Miller or something, I don't know if that would be um, the smartest use of the Ravens' money going into terms of what you said, how it intersects with the draft.
0: To me, that's the kind of thing if there's like a soft market for Jones maybe. And he doesn't get a deal for a little while. We can't land Jensen or Matthew or something like that. Then maybe if we still have the money to go spend mm. on a premium guy, maybe we do that. But I think the odds are better. If we end up just saving it and using it another way anyway. Yeah. Uh, Two guys I want to mention in the front seven before we move on to the defensive backs, Everson Griffin and Jihad Ward might be nice to reunite with Jihad Ward because they both have that inside outside versatility in both in the three, four and as pass rushers Griffin especially is just a very good interior pass rusher. And so I think that would be a decent addition as well veterans cheap deals but guys that you can get a lot of run out of uh, in the right situations.
1: Yeah, it would definitely be interesting. Hell, we already brought Tony Jefferson back. Let's bring Jihad. Let's call Earl Thomas on the phone, too. No. <laughs> but uh, Everson Griffin is kind of interesting because obviously he had his um his, his incident, his mental health thing last year, as we all remember. Um, I'm not sure where he's at in terms of his you know rehab from that and what have you. But if he is back to being 100 percent, then, yeah, he's another guy who Totally fits that mold of like it's kind of set veteran second chance you on the defensive side of the ball for the Ravens, you know? Yep. Moving on to cornerbacks and safeties, I guess we can kind of combine
0: this because in all truth, the Ravens play an interesting scheme with their defensive backs, a lot of man with their cornerbacks, but a fair amount of man with their safeties. They, they put their safeties in a lot of man coverage and a lot of blitz and run stopping scenarios as well. So I guess we'll start with cornerbacks. Tough to afford your, your expats, your, your Stephon Gilmore, your JC Jackson. And I think even a vet like Casey Hayward or Chris Harris is too expensive. And I think at that point we would rather just keep Westry. So I actually don't see us signing any cornerbacks this off season. What about you?
1: No, not at all. Uh, The only one that I think there would have been a chance of them making a big play for would have been Jackson until it came out that he's looking to like set the market in terms of corners. And I mean, that's not even remotely possible for with what the Ravens will have to spend. So No, I don't see them. That was what I said before. I don't see them making a single free agency move in terms of corners.
0: But your favorite topic of free agency, the Hmm. safeties. Yes. Talk to me about the fit of Marcus Williams and Tyron Matthew in this Ravens defense.
1: Yeah, well, uh, Matthew, I think, is the best fit. But but Williams would be an awesome fit as well as as a nice little consolation. I'm kind of interested to see which one gets paid more. And I know that probably sounds funny because Tyron Matthew is such a household name, but in terms of rising stars, it it feels like Marcus Williams is kind of a little bit of a hotter commodity, I guess. Am I, am I off base with that? Would you say? He's, he's younger.
0: And I think exemplifies a little bit more of that like deep coverage safety. I think even a little bit more than Matthew does. Matthew and again, I could be totally wrong here, and I'm not saying he's not a good deep cover safety, but I feel like he plays better when he's kind of roving. He's in that – in that, it's kind of called like a star role on defense. Yeah. And he has a lot more freedom in what he's doing, whereas Williams is younger. He's the kind of guy that you can sign for six years. He's what? He's 26 right now. You can sign him a six-year contract and be pretty certain he's going to start at free safety for you for the next six years and play at a pretty high level. And – that might be more valuable to a team like the jaguars let me see who else has like a ton of cap money like the jets the, the, the jaguars yeah the jets especially with marcus may leaving the uh i'm trying to think what other teams maybe like washington the the the, the commanders they <laughs> you know th- they might be interested in, in locking down someone who's just like hey you're just going to be our back end safety. You're you he can hold up in man coverage, blitzing, and, and run defense too. But he is just generally a good deep coverage safety that I, that's just reliable to have.
1: Yeah. So so I guess Matthew Matthew's a little more versatile overall. But I guess Williams will give you more of that sure thing on the back end and also more years. I guess we'll say. I mean, Tyron Matthew's not old by any means, but I mean. Marcus Williams. This is his first opportunity in an actual contract, you know? Mm-hmm. So um and you even mentioned Marcus may, should they miss out on both of these guys may would be a heck of a consolation prize too. He can do a lot of those similar things as well.
0: Yeah. I, I'm, I'm working on what my like grand plans for free agency would be. And I, I really think it's, it's Jensen and Marcus may Campbell, Houston, not a ton of changes. The reunion of reunion with jihad warder, signing an Everson Griffin on a cheap contract, like I mentioned. And again, it, it is just it's all about value to me. It's it's all about value and biggest need. Safety is a need in terms of, oh, it would be nice to have like another deep safety to replace Deshaun Elliott. Like Elliott is leaving free agency, but it's also possible to re-re-resign him for cheap. I just think that the cheaper options are going to be what we're looking for safety-wise. And we really just need to focus more on the front seven, which is funny to say after giving up so many passing yards last season. But I think that's just the honest truth of where this team is and where the, where the league is. It's teams winning with their front seven more consistently than we are. And yes, having good coverage on the back end, of course, but now that we have, I think, a lot of talent on the back end, we do need to just say, okay, we don't have starting caliber players at every position in our front seven yet. And so we need to focus on that.
1: Yeah, for sure. And especially with um, Humphrey and Peters coming back. I mean, that was such a massive part of why the secondary, I mean, sucked last year. I I won't sugarcoat it. Uh, Next year when you have those two guys back, hopefully Tavon Young will be back as well. And you have Clark back there and you have Stevens who gained a lot of really valuable playing time this year. So Safety, I guess, wouldn't be as glaring of a need as front seven uh, in that regard. So I guess, again, it all just kind of ties back to what you were saying, how it intersects with the draft, because there is so many talented front seven players in this draft as well. Whereas opposed to safety, I feel like there's those three guys at the top. And then, you know, maybe you can throw like Nick Cross from Maryland in there, too, but there's not this deep surplus of talent at safety like there is um, in pass rushers and front seven as a whole. So I guess we'll see. Yeah. I mean, p- and part of me is part of me is very curious to see the order
0: of their signings, which signings, which dominoes drop dropped first and which ones are connected to the Ravens and what that tells us about their plans for the draft and f- for the season in general, what they see as their biggest needs and, and what some of their other moves might be. So I think that's about it for our pod this week. We're waiting for the rest of the franchise tag news to come in today. We're waiting for the Ravens to make any other cap moves before free agency. And we will be planning to have a couple episodes in the next few weeks. We're not exactly sure of the timing yet. We definitely want to do an episode with some mock drafts, talk about some, some different ways the draft could play out for the Ravens. But we're also going to need to do some instant replays of the early free agent signings, especially ones that involve the Ravens. So stay tuned for those coming over the next few weeks. Ron, thanks so much for joining us as always.
1: Ah, oh, my pleasure, dude. And like I said, this is my one of my favorite times of year. You can feel that excitement in the air and it's going to be a very interesting couple of weeks coming up here.
0: All right, well, thank you so much. And thanks to everyone for listening. Have a good one. Bye-bye.